Dear Vivica, I see that you're a LinkedIn expert. Your website sucks, and I think we can get you better SEO. Want to connect? Uh, no. Oh, geez, that's cringeworthy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Coming to you in your speakers from Dubai to all around the globe. This is James Reynolds Traffic Jam Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, what's up, listener? You're tuned into Traffic Jam episode 38. I'm your host, James Reynolds, and this is, of course, the podcast show that teaches you how to get more traffic, leads, and sales to your website and build a profitable audience online. Now, if you're a regular listener to the show, you'll be pretty familiar with the format by now. We start each show with a special expert interview, and today will be no different because I have on the show Vivica von Rosen for a discussion all about LinkedIn prospecting. We follow that with this week's news in traffic, the one-minute traffic tip, and then a musical jam to play out the show chosen by Vivica we call The Traffic Jam. The Traffic Jam Podcast with James Reynolds. Now, as you'll know, I'm not a huge fan of too much preamble before these interviews, so let me go right ahead and introduce our guest today. Her name is Vivica von Rosen, and she's from LinkedIn to Business. Vivica's the author of LinkedIn Marketing, An Hour a Day. She's a contributor to Forbes, Money Magazine, Mashable.com, CNN, SocialMediaExaminer.com, and a whole bunch of other popular places on the web I'm sure you've heard of. She's a Forbes Top 20 Most Influential Woman in Social Media, not just once, but three times. And get this, this should portray a little bit about her authority on LinkedIn. She's got 29,000 first level connections on the platform and a network of over 31 million people. So there you go. I don't think I need to give her too much more of a build up because she'll certainly portray her own authority on the interview. So without any further ado, here for a little chat all about LinkedIn prospecting, we have Vivica von Rosen. So this is the interview section of Traffic Jam 38 and joining me right there in the hot seat is Vivica von Rosen. Vivica, a very warm welcome to Traffic Jam. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure to be here. Super stoked to have you on the call. Now, of course, we're going to be talking today about LinkedIn. Tell us real quick how you got involved in LinkedIn marketing and why you like it so much. Sure. Um, I was running a business at the time where we'd, we'd done most of our business or I'd done most of the um, uh, marketing and, and we'd created most of our growth just through face to face networking. And, you know, this was 2004, 2005, 2006. And so um, we brought in or I brought in a speaker. Um, it was a virtual office. We had a lot of um, entrepreneurs and small business owners officing there. So I would bring in speakers because that's what I really like to do. And um, she mentioned this thing called LinkedIn. And I just thought it was kind of a, a no brainer for, you know, anyone in business that had a virtual aspect to it. There were only 
12 million people on LinkedIn at the time. But to me, that was a huge number. You know, it was before Facebook Mm. numbers and before Twitter numbers and before Pinterest numbers. And so that was an obscenely large number to me um, of people that could become prospects for our business. And yeah, I just, I I learned more about it and uh, started taking, um, you know, what courses there were on it, which weren't many. And I think Jason Alba's book was the only one available. You're on LinkedIn, now what? And um, yeah, just just kind of went from there um, and turned it into a a training and consulting business in in pretty short order. (laughs) Nice, good. Well, I'm sure we'll touch on some of those things as we go deeper into the view, into the interview. But I want to start off just by asking you a little bit about connecting on LinkedIn. I think that's probably one of the most um, valuable aspects of the platform. Now, yeah. I would assume, rightly or wrongly, that having a larger network on LinkedIn is probably quite powerful. However, LinkedIn only allows you to send, if I'm right, about 3,000 invitations. Now, knowing there is a limit to the number of invitations we can send, what advice would you have for strategically building our network on LinkedIn so that we get the most out of the connections that we have? Sure. Um, Yes, you can only send out 3,000 invitations and it doesn't matter if you do them one at a time or if you upload your mailing list. It's, you know, one name, one email address equals one invitation. Um, And you can only accept up to 30,000, which I'm actually at right now. So I'm deleting people and adding people. But um, wow. Yeah. But quite frankly, um, yes, it's true that the the bigger your network, the more visible you are, the more usable LinkedIn is, the more likely you are to make money. That being said, there, there comes a point on LinkedIn, about 5,000 connections that um, LinkedIn stops being as usable. There's a lot of functionality I can't use on LinkedIn because my network's too big. Drop down boxes don't work. I can't forward uh, profiles anymore. You know, I can't send personal messages using the drop down. Um, I have to actually find the person. So there's, there's some limitations to having too big of a network. So quite frankly, I think being able to send out 3,000 invitations over time is is enough. And you can always ask LinkedIn for more. If, if you use, especially if you use their tool and uploaded your CSV file of your 18,000 first level connections from your email list, and now you're, you know, you're stuck. Um, LinkedIn will let you, you know, will give you about 100 to 200 more invitations per month. So you can, you can always do that. Um, but that being said, with 30,000 invitations, uh, or with 30,000 connections, I still have 800 invitations left I can't actually use. Um, Wow. Yeah. So there's, you know, part of it's just creating a name. Now I'm a LinkedIn expert who's on LinkedIn, training on LinkedIn. And so I I do get a lot of people inviting me to connect, which is not as common. I do a lot of presentations and people to invite me to connect after that. So that's not as common. But, um, But yeah, you can absolutely encourage people to invite you to connect. You can let people know you're running short on invitations. Would you be willing to invite me to connect? I would do that to people you actually know as opposed yep. to prospects you're trying to land. <laughs> you know, don't make them do you a favor from the out of the <laughs> gate, right? <laughs> it's like, hey, yeah, I want to sell something to you. Would you just mind connecting yeah, with me exactly. first so we can would facilitate this better, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, I do guess your situation is a little bit unique because you are the LinkedIn expert on the LinkedIn platform. It's, I guess, a little bit like Martin Shervington we had on yes. the, a week or two before, you know, for Google+. Plus. I mean, he's got extremely high numbers of followers, but, you know, he's the Google Plus guy, right? So he's going to be sought out on the platform. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. 
So do you have any recommended protocol for what an invitation to connect might say? Because I'm always getting invitations, as I'm sure other LinkedIn users do. And they typically say, um, we know each other because we've done business together through this organization. Yeah. And seven times out of 10, that has not happened. Yeah. Um, so what are the protocols? How do you recommend going about it? Sure. Um, first of all, anytime you can customize an invitation, please do so. Now, there there are times when you can't. So, you know, people are like, I won't accept any invitation from someone who hasn't customized it. Well, if you're at a conference and you're, you've only got your mobile app, your iPhone or whatever, um, you can't customize those invitations, which is a, I hope LinkedIn's working on that one. Um, so, you know, there, there are times when you absolutely can't customize an invitation, you upload a mailing list, et cetera. But when at all possible, number one, customize it. It used to be a 300 character limit, but I just got an invitation from someone, not an in-mail or introduction, but an actual invitation from someone the other day that was like almost a thousand characters. <laughs> I wrote him back wow. and said, how did you do that? But he never replied. So um, I, I don't know. Maybe they've loosened up that 300 character <laughs> limit. Um, yeah, mention something in their profile. You know, and, and please make it true. If you, you can use, if, if you're not friends, you're not colleagues, you're not classmates, you haven't done business together, um, you know, groups is a great way to connect. Always, I, I always tell people to, to choose groups. If you can't and you do choose friends or, or colleagues or classmates or we've done business together, fess up. You know, we haven't done business together, but I've been a fan for a long time. Or we haven't done business together, but I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm strategically growing my network with people in this type of industry. Or, um, you know, we didn't work together, but I heard about you and I was wondering if you'd like, you know, if you'd be willing to connect. Um, and, and if there's room, um, you know, give them an out, just say, you know, if, if you feel you've received this invite and error, please feel free to ignore. Um, but tell them, you know, ignore it as opposed to report me as a big fat spammer. Um, and never, yeah. ever use an invitation to try and sell your wares. I that, that just drives me up a wall, you know, dear Vivica, I see that you're a LinkedIn expert. Your website sucks. And I think we can get you better SEO. Want to connect? Uh, Ooh, no. <laughs> geez, that's cringeworthy. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. There's, there's the out for not wanting to accept it, right? In the same way that you go, yeah. if we're not, you know, if it's not appropriate, don't connect. Well, there you yeah. go. Just giving them due reason not to, <laughs> not exactly. to accept. Seriously. Whoa. <laughs> what about, um, what about on the flip side, you know, for receiving invitations to connect? Should we be selective on who we accept or is it kind of a case of accept all? No, not anymore. I used to be uh, what's known as a lion, a LinkedIn open networker. And, you know, when I first started out, I just didn't anyone who invited me to connect, come on in. Um, because it is still true to a point, the, the more connections you have, the, the bigger your network, the more visible you are, the more money you'll make on LinkedIn. And there's a bunch of spammers out there now. You know, when 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 we first started, the spammers, well, heck, they did. There was no social media. They hadn't discovered Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn. Um, now they have in a in a big way. Uh, so yeah, be selective. Um, you know, I have a I have a list of criteria that my my assistants do this for me now. But I have a list of criteria of what I'm you know of of the type of person that I'm willing to accept into my network. Um, and uh, if you fall in to that criteria or you you send me a personal message you know any personal message i'll accept your invitation even you know if i don't know you because spammers don't tend to personalize messages and it's really sure. is this person a good connection or does this person have a network that would be you know a good connection or have good connections in it for me and and that's really that that's i'm a little bit discerning um 
I like a picture. Again, if you personalize your invitation and you don't have a picture, eh, I might let that pass. Uh, you know, don't don't throw up a photo stock photo or uh, a um, logo and tell me that you're the senior recruiter of Apple and that you went to school in 2005 to 2008 and that you've also worked, you know, as the senior recruiter over at, um, you know, at IBM. But you're 12 years old in your photo <laughs> and you're hot. <laughs> you know, that's that. The, the, there's a lot of those people out there, and so you you learn what to look for when you're when you're accepting invitations so be a little discerning absolutely accept invitations from people you don't know if if it makes sense but do be somewhat discerning yeah i guess you've got to have a sort of predetermined set of filters right to understand who would indeed be a good connection who's going to add value to your network on the platform because there's certain people that aren't going to be um, and i think understanding and putting in some filters in advance to make those decisions easier is probably a good thing right well, it all rolls together with knowing who your audience is. You know, when 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 we back up and talk about link, you know, creating a good LinkedIn profile, you're going to write your profile according to who your target market is. You're going to accept invitations according to who your target market is. You're going to do searches and send invitations according to who your target market is. And if you're not discerning enough, um, you actually you know, bigger is not necessarily better. You get more conversions if you're more targeted in who you're speaking to. So um, you really do need to know your audience, whether it's accepting invitations, sending invitations, or even just, you know, creating copy in your in your profile. Yeah. Well, let's talk about some of this stuff because the, the next sort of set of questions I wanted to ask you are around getting found on LinkedIn. Yeah. I'm sure profile setup is integral to that. But the first question I want to ask you is how important is the role of keywords in LinkedIn search and where in your profile, if anywhere, should those keywords be placed? It's crucial. Yeah. LinkedIn um, is like Google in that you have to have the right keywords to be found. It's not like Google in that it's much more simple than that. You know, you don't have to use meta tags and keyword phrases necessarily. You just need to say something about yourself enough times without it being hokey, without it looking like a like one of those scammy, nasty type profiles that you, you find out there. Um, what's interesting is if you if you actually check the statistics on who's viewed your profile and you look at how they found you. It'll show you both how they found you as in, did they find you on LinkedIn? Did they find you on Google? Did they find you, uh, you know, under who's viewed? Like it'll tell you where on the web they sh they found you. But then it'll also show you where in your profile they found you. Um, and what was really interesting to me when, when they came out with these new analytics or these new statistics is that it used to be the more keywords you put in your title fields, which it could get people's profiles could get ridiculous looking, including my own, um, the more likely you were to be found. Now it has reverted down to really creating decent copy and decent content. So, you know, having your keywords naturally fall into whatever copy you write. You don't want to stuff it. You don't want to just do keyword, comma, space, keyword, comma, space, keyword, comma, space, keyword, comma, space. You want to naturally let it fall into your copy as you describe what you do and who you serve. Um, but the summary section, you've got 2,000 characters to work with there and to add some of your keywords, maybe the top five to 10. Your description sections of your experiences is really important. Those two are the two most important places to put your keywords. And of course, those are the two most, those are the two places most people skip. 
you know, they'll, they'll yeah. skip, right. Or they might do a paragraph for, for the summary and one or two lines for the description section in their experience. But that's actually the area link LinkedIn goes to now. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> endorsements count. So make sure your keywords are, uh, are also skills that you've listed so that you can get endorsed for those. Um, there is a section at the bottom of your profile called interests. And, and you can do a keyword dump there, but that's the only place that I, I would recommend it. That you can just like put all your keywords, uh, norm, verb, noun, acronym, synonym. Um, but really just don't force the issue. Have your list. Keep it on your desktop or, you know, even on a sticky um, sticky pad and, and, and just have it there where you can see it and then write your copy and, and, and write and add your projects and add your publications and add your summary and your experience and, and where it makes sense, plug those in, but don't, don't force the issue. Um, but yeah, you get more keywords into your profile in a logical, readable, understandable, customer facing way. And yeah, you'll get more, you'll get found more. In the same way that we might use, I don't know, like a Google keyword tool to mm. determine what people are searching for on Google. Is there any way that we can do a similar process with LinkedIn or is it just really understanding what you do and then making sure that those kind of, you know, short tail, broader terms are mentioned somewhere yeah. on your LinkedIn profile? Yeah, there used to be a really great tool. Um, and LinkedIn, I, I, I put out a product and immediately upon putting out the product, LinkedIn got rid of it. Um, so what I tell people to do now is in skills, like when you start typing in a skill, um, there's a drop down, you know, just take a look at the drop down and, and, and make a note of anything, uh, other skills slash keywords that might make sense. Look at your competition. Uh, look at their profiles. You know, see what the skills they have listed, see what kind of copy they have, uh, see if they've listed their keywords into their their uh, interest section. So, you know, looking at your competition and seeing what they're do- doing is not a bad thing. You can't you can make yourself anonymous when you're searching on your competition as well. It um, The detriment of doing that. Oh, is, can you? Yeah. Yeah. In in settings section, if you go into settings, you can you can change your anonymity. Um, but when you do that. It also uh, it, it it erases your history of who's viewed your profile. So those are leads, right? Anyone who looks at your profile, there's a reason for it. They're either a lead or a competition. Um, so you want to look at that that first, and then when you you know you feel okay, I've seen everybody who I'm interested in who's viewed my profile. Um, so now I'll go into settings. I'll make myself anonymous, and now I can go check out my competition, see what they're doing, what kind of media are they adding, what kind of keywords have they used, how are they showing up in a search when I do a when I do a real basic search on LinkedIn are they showing up first am I showing up first um, how are we placed against each other do all your competition research um, and then when you feel complete and you have the keywords and the search terms and ideas about your profile um, then you can turn your visibility back on and again be able to see everyone who's viewed your profile but um, that's that's really the only detriment to making yourself anonymous but I don't I yeah. mean I don't even bother I just leave myself fully visible and you know if I'm looking at because <laughs> because I end up doing I was just literally on the on the phone with my quote I mean exact competition my friend Ivor and uh, Kellogg and he's over in in in, in England and um you know, we're really direct competition. We go after the same speaking gigs and even the same clients, but we also do a lot of partnership work together. And in fact, he was helping me with my sales message. He's awesome. Um, so there's partnership capability too with, with your competition. So I, yeah, I keep myself visible, but it, it's really dependent yeah. on the uh, what you're doing for a living and, and how 
how close you want to keep that to the vest. Yeah, sure. I'd be interested to to learn from you how you um, leverage, if at all, those people that have viewed your profile, because I guess um, there would be a right and a wrong way to perhaps approach those people if you know that they've been checking you out. I guess the wrong way would be, hey, saw you checking out my profile. Um, I'm stalking you right back. Yeah. Now can we work together? I mean, that type of approach. But as you said, they're, they're, they're identifying themselves as potential leads. How do you sort of transition that that type of contact, knowing that they have, into something that's more useful to you? Well, you know, but it, it, it's funny that that's not this. You wouldn't want to maybe use that languaging, but it is along those lines. I noticed you viewed my profile, want to connect, or I've noticed you yeah. viewed my profile um, and you work at LinkedIn, would love to connect with you. You know, so you can. And the nice thing about who's viewed your profile is you don't have to jump through the usual hoops. Like if you hit the little person with the plus sign, you don't have to say how you know the person. They've looked at you. They've taken that step. LinkedIn's going to let you going to let that pass. So you can just go, Hey, you know, James, um, I noticed that you're also a trainer at Covidian. If you ever need any LinkedIn help, just let me know. Do you want to connect? Question mark. Um, thanks for the view. Uh, noticed that you are the director of sales and marketing over at Canon. Um, you know, let me know if I can be of service. Want to connect? Question mark. So that's, yeah. you know, how can I be of service is fine. And of course, if they're already a first level connection, you just send them a message. Hey, notice you, you viewed my profile. I, um, you know, not, not that I was stalking you, but I, 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 I took a <laughs> look at yours and yeah, you make kind of fun of it. I looked at yours and I see that you have this new job or you got this new position or you wrote this new book or I love the post you just published or, uh, you know, I, I, I gave you a couple endorsements, um, you know, proud of your accomplishments or something like that. It takes a minute or two. But I got to tell you, if you do this, even a couple minutes a day, it's easier if you have the paid account because you get to see everybody, the free account, you only get to see the last five people. So you really want to stay on that daily. But um, it's it's one of the best tools I know for engaging and uh, like truly engaging. Um, and, and, and it does lead to work because you're top of mind with these folks. And it, it yeah. feels like synchronicity. It feels like coincidence. But I cannot tell you how many people that, you know, they've looked at my profile, I've said hi back. And then all of a sudden, they're like, you know, I was just kind of thinking that we needed to brush up our LinkedIn. That's so weird that you wrote me back, you know, forgetting that they looked at my profile in the first place because they needed someone to do their LinkedIn. So <laughs> it really is. Um, it's, it's a powerful use of LinkedIn. And if you just do it daily, it only takes a couple minutes. But man, the, the return on your, your, your couple minute time investment. And if you have the paid account, your, your $24 monetary investment per month is, is pretty significant. Nice. Well, let's expand on this and talk about sort of prospecting and how we might sort of move people into more of a sales type conversation once you've connected with them. How would you kind of transition, assuming you were connecting with a potential prospect from, you know, just literally introducing yourself, making a connection to then sort of moving into more of a business conversation? Because that, I think, can be a little yes. bit icky if you don't get it right. right? For sure. Yeah, well, first of all, just like you don't use the the uh, invitation as a sales pitch, you also don't use the first message as a sales pitch. You don't use your in-mails as sales pitches. Um, I always tell people you can't actually sell anything on LinkedIn. And they're like, but what? You've got this program in this book. And <laughs> what do you mean you can't sell anything on LinkedIn? <laughs> if you just use it as a hard sales tool, 
Um, it's like going to a bar and like saying, hey, want to come home with me, you know, and without like buying a drink or paying the money, you know, you got to, you've got to warm up that relationship first. And fortunately, LinkedIn gives you lots of tools. I mean, they even have an embedded CRM system. So maybe you invite someone to connect, you do a little research on them, you make notes, they can't see them. You make notes about the person in your CRM in, in contacts, this internal CRM system, which is free. Um, you tag them because you like Facebook lists, you can tag your connections. So to further segment and, and keep, you know, keep your, your, your network in order. Um, you set reminders, you can set reminders to follow up with them in, in, a, in a day, a week or on a recurring basis. Um, and then, you know, you t take that information. So I'm going to follow up with this person every, every two weeks or once a month. Um, I know that they have these interests because either I've talked to them on the phone or at a conference, or I've just done my research, you know, I see what they're posting on LinkedIn. Um, so when I come across an article, I think they're going to be interested in, I just send it to them. You know, it's about top of mind awareness. It's not about buy my stuff, buy my stuff, buy my stuff. And in fact, a lot, me, I, I don't, I don't, I hardly do any hard sales other than, you know, join my free webinar, but that's not really a hard sales pitch. Um, you know, it's just, but, but I'm top of mind. So when people need someone to help them with LinkedIn, they tend to think of me and anyone can do that. It's just a matter of getting the connections, segmenting by tagging your network keeping notes on those people, doing your research. It takes a little work. It's not a get rich quick scheme, but it's also very effective. Once or two months, once or twice a month, you send them a, a message, a link, an email, customize it um, to something that they would be interested in. It might be your content. It might not be. And then maybe 80-20 rule, you know, maybe once a month or once every other month, you let them know about something that you've got coming up. But hopefully, and where the power is, is when they just, you're top of mind, whether they hire you or buy your product or service or whether they, uh, a friend says, hey, do you know anyone who does this? And of course, you, you've been helpful, useful, and, you know, regularly sharing this content and they think of you. I, I wouldn't do yeah. it more than two to three times a month. Otherwise, you do kind of come across as a stalker. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. I could imagine. Yeah. I could imagine that would be the case. And the way the LinkedIn algorithm works, does that make you then more visible up in the the LinkedIn feed if you're connecting with someone more often? Yeah, I think it's um, it, it's not supposed to, but I know they just changed their LinkedIn algorithm. So for a while, it was it was really nice. It was something called relevance, which was a combination of everything, keywords and, and connections and interactivity and sharing. And, and then that went away and it was strictly first level connection or your level of relationship and then keywords. And that's changed again, thank goodness. And I think it's moving back towards relevance. And LinkedIn just released something and I cannot, I've, I've got the ebook on it, but I don't have, I, I haven't been able to get anyone from LinkedIn um, in that particular market to respond to me. But in the, in the content marketing world, they actually have a content marketing score now and they've got trending topics now. And so that I think will be probably at some point made hopefully available to everyone um, or at least to the base, you know, to the more basic paid accounts. Um, but I think that means that LinkedIn is, is in fact adding communications, connectivity um, and influence. You know, how many people are liking your articles? How many people are reading your posts? How many people are sharing your updates? I think that lends itself to findability too, or at least I, I sure hope that's the, the way they're moving. 
Yeah, well, it would sure make sense that that was the case, right? In the same way that Google are moving towards, you know, a, a web of people where individuals build up authority in the way yes. that websites do. It would certainly make sense that the same would apply to LinkedIn, which is very individual people centric, right? I mean, that's the platform. So exactly. It would certainly you be think, the case, right? <laughs> <laughs> would certainly make sense now you um you mentioned real quick the crm it's not something i've heard of before um you said it was free which i'm sure everyone likes where do they find it in linkedin it's actually in it's in crm is a customer relationship management tool um it is actually um it's your contacts it's the contacts feature so when you go to your profile and on that top menu bar you see network and you come down to contacts that's actually the that it's the CRM system. And what you'll notice then is when you go to a uh, when you go to one of your connections profiles and you click on there's a little star that says um, it's a little star underneath their picture and it expands out to say relationship. And that's then where you'll see the notes, the reminders, the how you met and the tagging. That's all um, that's all in that one spot. Nice. Okay. Well, we make sure that that's linked to directly if we can within the show notes. I think that'll be useful for people. Yes. Um, the next thing I want to ask you about is groups because I think that's one of the most useful aspects of LinkedIn, at least for kind of a sales or marketing type person because yeah. um, they, of course, allow us to message other members of a group even if we're not directly connected. Um, what strategies do you recommend to leverage this functionality? And are there any rules of etiquette in the same way as, as you know, making an individual connection um, might be? Sure. So yeah, groups are amazing because they allow you to interact with um, other members of your network without having to be first level connections. You can send messages and, and, and invite people to connect who are in your groups that you normally have to would have to jump through more hoops or pay for it, quite frankly, um, which gets abused. You know, don't don't use uh, your group membership um, to spam other group members. In fact, LinkedIn has something called SWAM now, site-wide auto moderation. If you use groups to spam your content, your promotional content, um, you know, other group members and, and, of course, the managers and the moderators can flag you. You get enough flags and you can't post anywhere. Like, never mind that one group. You can't post to any of your groups without it going into queue to get moderated. So that really inhibits your ability to, to build relationships on LinkedIn. So you've got to be very, very careful with that. Never just – there's a lot of tools out there, and I love them. Um, Octopost is one of them, Hootsuite, uh, LinkedIn's own sharing bookmarklet, where you can share content to a group. But you've got to be careful to position that content. And if it's promotional, you got to put it in the promotions tab. Don't just – blasted on the main wall. Um, but that being said, yeah, groups, you know, it, it's like-minded others, it's your industry, it's your client's industry. So you already have something in common with these folks. And if you comment, like, share their comments, and if you privately reply to them there, if you if you do a search on a type of person and and invite them or send them a message there, um, it really helps with your with your uh, interactivity with other members. And and again, that word engagement. Um, but it really is it, it it helps. It makes it makes your communications more effective and and much easier. And it's it's what you've got to do when you uh, when when you if you have a free account because there's just you know you don't have have the in-mails. There's no other way of accessing these people sometimes. Yeah. Interesting you mentioned about kind of self-promotional link dumping in groups. Many, many of the groups I'm a part of just seem to have that as the only level of 
conversation, if you like, on the discussions tab. It's just people popping by and, 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 you know, dumping a link into their own content. Yeah. How much value do you feel there is in the discussions tab? Because based on the groups that I'm in, at least, they seem to be pretty dormant um, places, at least. Yeah. A lot of people join groups just to get access to other members. Um, I'm the member, of, I'm a member of some very, very good groups where it is conversation, you know, it is people asking for advice. Um, there's some promotion, but those, you know, if, if, if the other group members are strident in keeping down the noise, um, it, it does keep people from, you know, people will get swamped. It does keep people from, from posting crap. And I think, I think those, those noisy, you know, uh, um, those noisy promotion-y groups are, are not actually around as much as they used to be. But no, there's, there's, you, you just have to look with the new, the groups has a new user interface. And so you can see the kind of activity that's going on. Um, there's a new uh, timeline uh, feature within groups that, that shows you the biggest conversations and you can see there, if there's, there, there are conversations you want to have or want to contribute to, um, you know, and, and you just, I only get daily digests from about 10% of my groups. Um, maybe even less than that, maybe five or, you know, four or five groups, um, because those are the only groups that actually interest me. The rest I'm really just joining because, you know, I own them. I've helped someone set it up or, or it's to get access to other members. Yeah, nice. Interesting. Well, staying on the topic of content on LinkedIn, posting articles on LinkedIn is something that's relatively new, at least. What do Traffic Jam listeners need to know about this functionality? And is it available to all users on LinkedIn currently? Not currently available to everyone. You can apply for it. In fact, if you go to, um, let's see if I can remember it. I think it's specialedition.linkedin.com dot com forward slash publishing that's it special edition dot linkedin dot com forward slash publishing you can apply for the publishing platform um, you'll have to give them a first name a last name your public profile url your email address and two examples of content that you've written um, you are links to those uh, so you know whether it's the blog post or an online journal article or something like that. They want to see examples of your work before they're going to let you go crazy with the, with the, um, with the, with the tool. But, oh my gosh, it's fantastic. It gets crazy views. Um, great views, great interaction. It's searchable, uh, kind of like signal that we lost. It's, it, it, it's the, the, the keywords and the content is searchable in, in LinkedIn search engine. So, um, better chance of you showing up and, and, and people reading your content and, you know, it's all just, it's all just content marketing, but it's a fantastic, easy to use, very, very powerful, uh, platform in my opinion. Yeah. I've heard very good things about it. I mean, those that have even interviewed, um, in the last few weeks, I think of, have uh, been using the platform and, and some of the reports back on the levels of comments and interactivity on them seems sky high. I mean, yeah. I think we're kind of at a great time to get involved, right? If we're yes. going to be doing this stuff. Yeah. Apply for it. And if you have it, you can tell you have it because you have the little gray pen in your update box and LinkedIn will send you an email. Um, but uh, yeah, if you've got that little gray pen, make use of it. Because of course, the more people who get it and use it, the more it'll be flooded. Um, the you know, and the less likely your 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 content is to be viewed. But um, yeah, if, if you can get access to it right now, that that that's a good thing. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, we've gone for a little over thirty minutes or so. I do have a ton more questions, but um, based on the number I've got, I'd perhaps like to invite you back if you'd like to come back on sometime in the future to do another round. So yeah, I think this is a good point to 
I think it's a good point to, to leave it at. What sort of parting pieces of advice do you have, Vivica, for those Traffic Jam listeners listening in that perhaps you haven't shared so far? Well, sure. And, you know, the thing is, it's like LinkedIn, like like Twitter, like Facebook, like Pinterest, like uh, like uh, Instagram, uh, Google Plus, you know, they're just platforms. You're still going to use the same business practices of knowing who your audience is. You're still going to use the same business practices of, 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 of showing off the benefits of your product, not just the features of it. You're still going to use best practices for engagement. You know, heck, it's the, it's the, it's the rules our mothers taught us, right? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You wouldn't want a salesy spammy letter. Why would you send that to someone you didn't know? So use those common sense business, uh, business and marketing tools that you've, you've always known, you know, in your business and just apply them to LinkedIn. Um, I think that's probably the best piece of advice. And, and don't let the, don't let the, uh, don't let the website intimidate you. It's not, it's just, it's just a bunch of, it's just a platform with some different features and some different tools, but it's, um, there's, there's no reason to avoid it. It's, 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 it's a very, very useful, a very, very useful social business, social network. Yeah, good. Um, well, I'm sure we've only just touched the surface of what's possible with LinkedIn. So let's give some um, links for people to check out to kind of further education and to find out a little bit more about you, Vivica. Sure. Um, LinkedIn, linkedprospecting.com would be one, I guess. Do you want to tell yep. listeners a little bit about what that is? Yeah. So if you want to see what we talked about today, um, if you go to our website, which is linked, L-I-N-K-E-D, prospecting.com, um, we've got a free video, which actually kind of shows you a lot of of, of what I talked about today. Um, and it's free. Like all you're going to pay is your, your name and your, your email address. Um, I've got my blog site, which is linked into business.com. So if you ever want any, um, you know, the, the latest changes or want to learn more about showcase pages or publisher or whatever, um, you know, I, I have lots of articles in my blog there. Um, we have a tweet chat for for those of you in the U.S., I guess in England too, but you'd have to stay up pretty late or get up really early. Um, but it's at 8 p.m. Eastern on Twitter every Tuesday night. So if you ever want to join up with a bunch of other LinkedIn experts, it's not just me. I mean, we've got fabulous guests on there and um, other chatters who are probably smarter than I am when it comes to LinkedIn. And we're always all sharing information. We've got a LinkedIn experts group on Google uh, Google Plus. I, in fact, I think I that's my newest favorite platform is actually Google Plus. Yeah. <laughs> Martin got it first, but um, you know, great, <laughs> great. I love our community there. We've got a LinkedIn experts community. By all means, join our community. Um, so lots of lots of great places to get information on LinkedIn. Um, and I'm at LinkedIn expert on LinkedIn. So please feel free to uh, also ping me there as well. This week's news in traffic. Right, the first story this week, well, it's an interesting one to say the least. I've picked this up from techcrunch.com and the story is that the European Union court has ruled that Google must give individuals the right to be forgotten or essentially not to be found on Google. The European Court of Justice has ruled that Google must respect the right to be forgotten and at the request of private individuals, remove irrelevant or outdated information that contravenes an EU privacy directive concerning the way personal data is processed. Now, of course, as you can imagine, Google is furious about this and extremely disappointed about the court's decision. 
Now, for all intents and purposes, the EU regards Google now on par with or more responsible than the original publisher of potentially privacy offending data. And it can be made to remove content from its index, even if it's been legally published by the originating site. Now, I can imagine that complaints and requests for removal of content by individuals could kind of get out of hand. So it'd be very interesting to see how this impacts the search engine going forward. A new survey from Global Web Index shows a slight reduction in usage for Facebook and Twitter in the past six months, down 8% and 6% respectively. Also declining in monthly usage are YouTube, down 8%, and Google Plus, down 1%. Now, as usage shifts ever so slightly away from the bigger networks, platforms like Instagram and Tumblr and mobile messaging apps like Snapchat and WhatsApp, well, they're gaining. Instagram shooed an active usage gain of 25%, Tumblr at 22%, and Pinterest at 7% all showed healthy increases. So if you're considering where to spend your time and energy on social media going forward, that little report may give you some clues. The third story this week is from Twitter, who've rolled out a new feature that I think certainly at this point in time was definitely due. And the feature is that you can now mute people that you follow while still retaining followership of them. So that means they'll still show in your follower count, but you won't get updates from them. Now, this feature update is being rolled out. However, at this point in time, I'm not seeing it in my own Twitter account. Um, when it is there, apparently you can access it by the little more section, which you see next to each tweet. And there will be an option then to mute that particular person. Now, I should mention, whilst you are muting that particular individual, they won't be aware that you're muting them. So you can retain some courtesy towards them and not worry that you'll offend them by turning off their updates. So I think it's kind of a cool feature, especially if you've got a large number of people on your account that you follow. It allows you to be a little bit more selective about who features in your feed. Elsewhere on the web, well, there's a report out from TubeMogul that states a 350% increase in video ad auctions last quarter. We're certainly some evidence that video ads is really hot right now. So perhaps something to consider for you. So I've got one review to read out this week, and it comes from Clint Lawton, who left a review at Stitcher.com. And he says, my favorite pick of marketing podcasts. I love Traffic Jam, actionable traffic grabbing advice that's free from fluff and filler. One of the few podcasts I listen to every single week. So thank you to you, Clint. Really appreciate you popping by to leave a comment. To you, the listener, as always, there are two places that you can submit a review for the show. Show. One is at stitcher.com as Clint left his review and the other is iTunes. In both places, select a star rating for the show and then your comment or feedback along with that. I really, really would appreciate it. I know I say it every single week, but it really is the best possible way that you can show support for the show because it helps move the show up the rankings on both platforms and gets the content onto more playlists, which I know will mean that will help more people. The one minute traffic tip. Okay, so I have another SEO tip for you this week. 
Now, I bet if I looked at your traffic stats that over 50% of your search engine traffic probably comes from people typing in long tail search terms. That's phrases with three, four, or even five words in them. But are you optimizing for these more longer obscure terms? Well, you can if you follow this process. And the first thing you need to do is identify the most popular short tail terms by logging into your Google Webmaster tool and then seeing which phrases send the most clicks to your website. Then using Google search, enter those short terms into the search box and Google will suggest other associated phrases before you've even finished searching. Now this will happen in the little drop down box and it's often known as Google suggest or Google instant. Now these phrases that appear in the drop down box, Google deem as being related to the short tail term you've typed in. So where appropriate, what you can do is use these associated phrases that Google suggests to you and then seed them into your existing content on your website. What will then happen over time is you'll start to pick up search engine traffic for these associated phrases as well as the short tail terms too. Now this isn't a quick fix, it does take a little bit of time but if you pick through the most popular phrases and most popular pages on your website, over time you can get quite significant results. Thank you for listening in to episode 38 of Traffic Jam. I really appreciate the time that you take out of your day to listen into the show and I hope you get as much enjoyment out of Traffic Jam as I do. I will be back with another episode next week where I'll be talking to Dan Fagella about how to automate your online marketing. So tune back in for the next episode. In the meantime, remember to subscribe via iTunes and Stitcher Radio. And for a direct link to all Traffic Jam episodes, go to trafficjamcast.com where you can join the discussion on this episode as well as get the links to all of the resources mentioned in today's show. Also head on over to veravo.com for more traffic tips and training as well as checking out our Traffic Tune series where we take a comical look at all things online marketing. I'll end this week's show with a track by the Arctic Monkeys which are a band from Sheffield in the UK and a favourite band of Vivica's and the track I'm going to pick is called I Bet You Look Good on the Dance Floor. It's from 2005 at which point I was still in the UK. So I've got quite fond memories of this track. I hope you enjoy it too. And of course, I'll see you back here in about seven days from now. See you then. Stop making the eyes at me. I'll stop making the eyes at you. What is that surprises me is that I don't really want you to. And your shoulders are frozen. But you're an explosion Your name isn't real but I don't care for sound Imagine the fuse might result in a bang but the bang go I bet that you look good on the dance floor I don't know if you're looking for romance or I don't know what you're looking for I said I bet that you look good on the dance floor Dancing to an extra pop like a robot from 1984 From 1984 Over your next explosion. Your name is a real.
Traffic Jam Podcast with James Reynolds. To know more about this program and to subscribe for future episodes, check out the website trafficjamcast.com.